episode 47 at the Metro Fan TV. Uh, yeah, not so weekly rundown anymore. <laughs> you broke the streak, fellas. I'm so sorry. But um, we're back in action. Just uh, before we uh, enter, I think, a favorable part of the schedule to break down, I think, um, everything that's transpired in the last month or so, right? I think the last time we spoke was in June. Um, unfortunately, Fernando couldn't make it again uh, this week because, you know, uh, he's dead and he haven't brought him back from the afterlife yet. Uh, so riding alongside with me in the cockpit today is Juan Escalante. How are you? Hello, Lens. How are you doing? I'm kind of sad, actually, that Fernando went to go see Biz. <laughs> he was just a R. friend. R.I.P. Fernando. You know? R.I.P. Biz Market. Yeah, seriously. R.I.P. Biz, dude. Seriously, man. R.I.P. Fernando. R.I.P. Biz. Like, uh, have you ever had a podcast you tried to make, waited three months for an episode? (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) Uh, It's mostly my fault we haven't been able to record, I think, just because I had, uh, I was, I was, I went to see Gotham FC and that was the game that was rained out for three hours. So uh, Uh could not, could not come to that and then uh, I had my wisdom teeth taken out last week, so I just I was not in this in a in the state to speak for extended periods of time last week. So oh wow, damn! Like it's it's been real downhill on uh for for Gotham ever since the wisdom teeth came out. Eh, but the uh, oh man, whole Elise Lahousse situation uh kind of oh. fucked, man. Oh man, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, no idea. But uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, pretty dark day. Uh. I think uh, we we our our third host is a uh, has been deceased for a few weeks. Yeah, with, if, uh, if you... we need to if we need to catch up uh, over the past weekend, I, I or the past weeks, I think uh, we have some things to apologize for. Uh, apologies for uh, I ran down uh, folks uh, uh, Metro Fantasy Five aside, and I had ignored uh, uh, Alex Zanopoulos's, uh, uh his 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 suggestion would have been a fun button to the segment uh, in which he had Eddie Gavin as goalkeeper. Would have been a nice, nice addition there, but I, I forgot to get that in. Uh, it's funny because that... I th- think the anniversary for that game happened right over the last few weeks. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then uh, I would also like to apologize for Lens and I uh, spoke briefly about international soccer. We would like to apologize for doing that. <laughs> um, we'll we'll refrain from doing so in the future. But also, uh, I had mentioned that Turkey would be good in the Euros, and they objectively were not. They were pretty trash. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, apologies for anyone who was making bets off of this podcast. Anyone who made a, a, a serious bet that Barack Yilmaz would be uh, top scorer at Euro 2020. Apologies. But, you know, we would never apologize to our brave and loyal uh, Azuri listeners all across no. New Jersey. No, absolutely you know, not. Raise those fists in a jubilation, ladies and gents. Yes. Because... Fratelli. uh <laughs> I I, I want to go. Uh, I I left the pizza at the Garibaldi statue at Washington Square Park. Just uh, you know, just to, just to celebrate and the pineapple on it. Uh oh. <laughs> no no, that was just a, a melon wrapped in prosciutto, right, Lens? Uh, uh sure sure sure. Yeah yeah for sure. <laughs> Let's just go with it. Um. Anyway, I like to go on the record that I don't really fuck with melon and prosciutto too much, but you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what the deal is that it's whack, bro. But anyway, um, let's see. It's been a long time since we talked about 
soccer in any meaningful capacity. And I think in this span since we last recorded, we recorded a 0-0 draw in Atlanta. A 2-1 win on the road against Orlando. Probably the best team performance, I think, all season. For the, uh, I think there was a slight international break, right? Oh, wait, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. It was actually a quick turnaround. Yeah. Quick turnaround into Philadelphia at home, where it was kind of a slug. 0-0 0-0 draw at home against a uh, close to full strength Philadelphia side. Uh, despite the lack of quality on the bench and the fact that Andre Blake was missing, you know, I think, uh, but still, this is like uh, the team that won the Shield last year. Uh, and we're going in with a relatively depleted roster as well in our end and mostly putting up a really competitive fight at home, right? Where I think we could have very much come away with a win Definitely. if we just pulled our thumb out for the last few minutes, if it weren't for that Sergio Santos header. But, you know, mistakes, we've had a few. And uh, <laughs> we thankfully like know... Oh, sorry. Philly are a weird team, like... Jim Kerr, we, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get into the game, but like he made, he, he effectively made one sub in that game. And I'm like, do you not trust the guys on your bench? Yeah, it was like, like, like the other guys were like academy, like a smattering of academy. Right, they're dudes just like and... teenagers. And I'm like, just South Phil, like Philly dudes, South Jersey dudes. And I'm like, can you keep this up, Jim? Is what I'm asking. I, I guess one of them is genetically linked to Brendan Aronson. So I guess it's not yes. bad. But what a fucking cursed name, though. What was his Braxton Aronson? What the Paxton? Fuck? Oh yeah, Paxton Aronson, <laughs> named after the famous actor Bill Paxton. No, he's not. I don't know. I don't know what he is. <laughs> I'm gonna name my son Daxtonson. You know. And, oh, actually, that sounds Brazilian as fuck. You know. <laughs> Gold Daxtonson. Daxtonson Alves. <laughs> I name my son Daxtonson once and I end up in hospital like Bolsonaro. You know, that's just how it goes. Like, Golasso de Daxtonson. That's him scoring for the national team. Yeah, man. I'm going to move to Brazil now, actually. Yeah. Be sick. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, there was that other big international tournament going on at the Euros called Copa America that we are not going to touch of a 10-foot pole because the most cursed outcome possible happened. Uh, Uh, Yeah, we don't have to. I mean, are you sure the best possible outcome happened in that uh, Christian Caceres Jr. came back early? uh, I think that's when the timeline diverged. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we, we went from the Berenstein with an E universe to the Berenstein of an A universe, and it became ah, cursed. right. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, uh... anyway, let's focus back on the club, I think. Yeah. Just um, just to go over, I think, some things that we've uh, recognized over the last three games, because I think for the convenience of our listeners, they're probably not going to want to hear us. They give, like, an hour-long breakdown on each game. So, uh... <laughs> Right. I think what's let's talk about what stood out over the last three games, right? And I think for me, this is I'm going to begin the top of the episode with the subject that I'm sure is on everyone's minds. Let's talk about goalkeeping. <laughs> let's and there has been a bit of a resurgence, I think, from the men between the sticks because I think there's been some really strong play, I think, between in goal, I think, from Carlos Coronel, and that is where we talk about Brazil once again. Apologies to all our Argentinian viewers listeners whatever but um 
You know, I think um, early on in the season definitely was uh, starting to draw quite a bit of flack, you know, for the momentary, uh, whatchamacallit, for the mo- for occasional lapses in positioning and I think focus. I think there was one goal against New England, against Tajan Buchanan, that was particularly egregious, right, where he tried to cheat over on the cross and ended up getting beat at the near post. Uh, but recently, I think uh, you've seen the video, I think, of him. Like, I think the command of the area has been vastly improved. He's uh, definitely um, cheating less, being a bit less twitchy, a bit less, uh, you know, um, bit, yeah, basically a bit less twitchy. And I think the timing coming off his line as well have been, has also been a lot better, right? And I think uh, definitely one of the things that stood out from his uh, game early on in the season was that occasionally he'd be caught a bit flat-footed when deciding to come off his line. But now I think... Uh, a lot looking a lot sharper uh that save against uh who is it who was it i think it was daryl dk yeah in orlando a really good one and then i think again in again early on in the game against philadelphia with the same situation i forget who the player was it was a gash dag the oh yeah gash dag yeah gash dag yeah um this time on the other side of the uh goal right i think on the left hand side uh facing us uh, where the same thing happened, right? Come, timing coming off the line was good. Closes down the angle, gets the player to fire the ball into his body, which is like, I think, textbook goalkeeping in those situations. So I think, you know, it's clear that uh, the Nemeth, like, uh, they're, they've been doing some really good work in the video room, him and Yuri Nemanin, to, to bring this about. And uh, also a nice little thing is that now he's uh, looking a lot more assertive coming off his line to claim crosses on the catch. So starting to iron out the tendency to punch a little bit more and you know that's kind of a thing with the goalkeepers i think especially in their first uh professional first full run as like a as a full-time starter week in week out is that there will be some kinks that you have to iron out right and i think um tough maiden seasons as a full-time starter are not exactly unheard of and a lot of it is really just getting into the rhythm to a point where these things become like muscle memory, right? And that comes from establishing a week-to-week rhythm. Um, I think slow, slowly but surely he's making strides towards that. And now it seems like it's almost becoming like it's instinct, right? You add on top of that the... Um, the distributive ability that he's shown, right? I think I still think the short passing has occasional kinks with the decisions that he makes, but technically speaking, with the accuracy of those long range distributions, like this is potentially some of the most high level goalkeeping I think you're probably going to see for the side, right? Just when you add on to the stuff that he's capable of doing behind the ball. And it's really clear that Gerhard Schuber prefers that because, uh, I think we're really starting to see the incorporation of building out the back on top of the high press mechanics, right? And the way the goalkeeper can now act to facilitate the play. And not in the Guardiola sense where like they're knocking, spraying like five yard passes sideways to their defenders. No. But it's more like, uh, you know, the ability to just immediately enable like uh, the transition, right? With a through ball lofted in over vertically to split the lines. You know, I think that's a pretty key thing that has inspired this season. Yeah, Struber's not like none of that weak shit. 
Nein, nein, none of that tiki-taka bullshit. <laughs> If you pass five yards, I will put you in the Passaic. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's the thing, you know. I think as far as I'm concerned, I don't really recall any of the other goalkeepers on our roster being able to hit those kind of balls with the frequency that Coronel can. No. Right? And then until we see that, like, I'm sorry, Ryan Muir is going to ride the bench. That's just how it is, right? Until... Uh, Until someone can prove that they can play at the ball with their feet that Struber wants them to play, you know, and I think it makes complete sense um, to do so. Um, do, you th do you think, yeah, like Yuri Niemann is like, all right, Ryan, this is how I want you to play the ball. Can you do it? And he's just like, no, nah, not really. And he's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he goes back to like watching like uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine reruns on his iPad, <laughs> the locker room. <laughs> So you gotta get this, Yuri. You gotta watch this show. I mean, this police chief is hilarious. He has no emotions. <laughs> <laughs> But he has his dog. It's a corgi named... <laughs> What is a crocmus monsieur? <laughs> you know, Sasha used to talk about eating those all the time when he was in Belgium or whatever. <laughs> We don't have too many of those in Yonkers. They told me it it's like the basically it's the same as like a a, a ham and cheese, but I'm like I don't know, man. I don't they know put, those anyway. They put sauce on it. It's scary. <laughs> you telling me you put the cheese on the outside? No, it goes inside the sandwich. That's why it's in there to begin with. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think we've probably just alienated like the entire listener base from Yonkers oh, of sorry. Uh, one person well, basically. Look, it's me. I used to live. <laughs> <laughs> Former residents of Yonkers. Yeah, hey, I mean, I wouldn't even listen to our own podcast, right? It's cool. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah. So anyway, back to uh, the thing about the team. I think, uh, you know, I think goalkeeping definitely one thing that stood out. And I think uh, the other thing, of course, being the fact that I think all our defenders are dead now. Um, yeah, I was looking kind of grim at one point, right? I think Andres Reyes had to leave early in Atlanta because of, uh, I think, I presume it was a hamstring injury. Yeah. And I'm kind of worried about that because that is the same injury that put a premature end to Yuba Diara's life. So, yeah. uh, I don't know, hamstring's kind of a touchy one. Yeah, it's still, it's. I think I think he might still be out for tomorrow's game. Yeah. Which kind of sucks, dude. Not gonna yeah. lie. Because mm. he was looking really, really good. Uh, just before that um, it's interesting also... that because because reyes got injured and he hasn't played from what yeah he hasn't played since he went down um because he started in atlanta in a three-man back line um and since he's been out we've been doing four at the back and i don't know if that's because he's out or if that three-man back line was like a wrinkle that struber wanted to play against specifically atlanta I figured like uh, I figured it was like one of those like test games, I presume, because I think uh, we do know from his time with Barnsley that he does like to switch between the two as the situation calls for it, mm -hmm. and we hadn't seen it since uh, the LA game, right? Well, the team obviously looked uh, like they weren't quite prepared to handle those responsibilities, but uh, you know maybe it was something that they were working on and training on the side just to be able to configure between those two looks and he just figured that it was uh, 
good time to try and roll that out against Atlanta on the road. But uh, of course, I mean, this is all just speculation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other defensive news, of course, being the fact that, uh, what is it? Andrew Goodman continues to be um, on sidelined, I think, with this knee injury. He said he was, I think initially he said he'd be out for about a month and we're coming up on that right now. And it doesn't seem like he's resumed training yet. Yeah, I so, think I've seen I've seen a photo of him and I think he's wearing a brace around his knee still. Well, that's not good. Not good. <laughs> Although they said I think it was a thigh thing, but I'm not hundred percent I think I was I was seeing oh, It's we weird. Yeah. It was weird, right? It was like it was a it was like a hip injury initially that made him questionable day to day, apparently. Then it was like a thigh injury that he picked up, and then now apparently he got his knee scoped, like during the <laughs> international break. So I, I don't know. I, was, was he born with uh, glass bones and paper skin? I don't think so, right? Like <laughs> he wakes up with screaming, and then every night he screams himself to sleep until his heart attacks put him to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um... So I think the, but that's mostly been mediated, of course, I think, by the really strong play of a certain John Tolkien, J. Mile, you know, the, new slim, the, new, the new Slim Shady J. Mile. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been solidly impressed with uh, how John Tolkien has kind of stepped into this role, right? I think at left back. Oh, yeah, and, he's um, he's definitely a gamer. It's really raises the question for me now, I think, is are we going to see Goodman come back for another year next year now that John Tolkien is a thing? And I really think now the answer might be no, right? I think um, I think the way he's just kind of made the role his own, having had the, uh, you know, the, the midseason injury, I think uh, Battlefield call-up, you know, I think it's really assuaged a lot of the, uh, I think the a lot of the misplaced concerns I should say, about his development being stunted because of that one weird COVID disrupted season at Red Bull too. I mean, I thought those were kind of. Uh, I've always thought that those were a bit sensationalist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the comeback trail's definitely on for him. Uh, the way. The way the way he goes around, right? It's it's just good to see that we have someone with a left foot who can place a delivery with some semblance of consistency from the left hand channel, while also just providing some really solid defense to shut down the left hand wing. And he's only yeah. what eighteen years old. Look, I mean, he, he's a wee lad. He's a very small. Yeah, he's a, he's a small guy. Really, <laughs> season. Really, story of the season, I think, has been players with the number seven in your squad number, like gaining sudden prominence again because like <laughs> supposed replacements or in, like passed away during the season. Except for except for Cameron Herber, I guess. Oh yeah, but I mean like he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a bit of a different thing, right? In a new way like <laughs> yeah. these deep squad players, I think uh probably not gonna be too much of a decisive factor as of yet. Um yeah. But so far, I think uh, the the story of the season has been if you have a seven in your squad number, uh, well, you've had yourself a year, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Which kind of brings me also, I think, to the uh, fact that the Sean Davis redemption story has been continuing unabated, right? And I think uh, the way that, and, and, and you know, I think uh, we've given him so much praise, I think, on this podcast over the course of the year. But um, really, I think um, this is, I think, a sign of uh, Struber, his tactical knowledge as well, right? The way that they've tweaked the midfield configuration to try and bring the best out of Sean Davis. Not so isolated in midfield anymore. Uh, has immediate passing outlets that he can get to, you know. I think, uh, I think uh, he really shined through, right? Especially considering we were missing Caden Clark the last few games. Um, what a story has he's been, you know. Now potentially uh, having some call up potential, maybe if you are a watcher of the senior men's national team, which I don't really recommend because that's kind of gross. But, uh, actually, uh, Jackson Ewell is a much better player. I'm going to say that on this record, and that uh, if 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 uh, that midfield position needs to be taken up by someone, it should be Jackson Ewell of the of the San Jose Earthquakes, and not Sean Akira Davis of the New York Red Bulls, who would okay, be bad in that position. Greg Berhalter. Okay, Susayeta, you can log off now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being like a? Can you imagine being Bosch and like standing for Barcelona like a pervert? Like what the fuck is oh up with that God. man? Seriously, <laughs> what a shame! Honestly, shame, shame on him. Shame, shame. Anyway, too much uh, talk about Spain, which is a perverse entity. Let's. Uh... Patui, you didn't see that, uh, but I just spit into a comically large spit tin outside of my uh, on my porch. That just Old happens to be conveniently style. placed next to the window at which you uh, record this podcast. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think. Um. I don't know. I think. Uh, I. I guess. Uh, what's stood out for you these last three games? I suppose I'll, I'll throw the con- I'll, th- I'll throw the conversation piece over to you. Actually, just to try and drop some observations. Yeah. These uh, three games, three straight starts for Wickelman Carmona. Um, yeah. who has suddenly come into the team. Uh, I think in the stead of Caden Clark, while he's been out uh, with his appendicitis or whatever, but uh, really stepping into the role, uh, the more I watch him play, I'm like, oh, we just, we we lost a left-footed attacking midfielder from South America who loves nutmegging people, and we replaced him with another South American attacking midfielder who loves nutmegging people. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the um, the the book on Carmona, right? I think uh, from what I've seen, because uh, confession time, I haven't been able to watch the last three games because uh, either because I forgot to set my alarm or they've come on at like just ridiculous times that I couldn't make. So, um, the book that I've seen on him, right? I think uh, the ability to dribble and the counter pressing ability, right? I think uh, very impressive for an eighteen year old. Uh, I mean, I think that's what's been written about him as well. But I think there's this dimension, I think, to his game that I think uh, at the position that I think Kaku didn't have, right? And that's the ability to just kind of drive forward on the dribble, I think, a bit more, especially considering how much this team places an, an emphasis on uh, hitting in on the dribble in transition, right? Yeah. From vertical play. Um, that 
kind of, uh, you know, highlights that, you know, I think it kind of makes sense as to why they've kind of moved on from Kaku is a bit more of like a Rakelmi like player, right? With the through balls. Um, and hitting them like with a raking pass from deep as opposed to like gunning, running and gunning with the ball, I think. Um, I mean, that being said, Kaku was also really good in the counter press, but I mean, I think, uh, of course, uh, the goal, I think uh, if you look at the way that Carmona plays and also in the way that we were targeting a certain Montenegrin by the name of Siad Haksabanovic over the offseason, RIP, that this was kind of what we were pivoting uh, the play further up the field to, right? Now you're starting to see that a little bit more with Carmona, a guy who can press, but also take guys on in the dribble, and create space for his teammates by drawing players to him in the dribble, right? I think um, nothing really highlights the tenacity more than the fact that he ran like 80 yards to press the goalkeeper and then won a penalty. Yeah. I mean, that's the good shit right there, right? <laughs> yeah, he just, like over the course of these three games, there were two. There was the the chance, you know, the opportunity that won the penalty against. Uh, Philly, but also in Atlanta, there was the noticeable. Sh- it was a notable like chance that um, that Klimala couldn't quite finish. Uh, not comically, had Guzan like dribbled it into the back of the net, but uh, that was directly off uh, Carmona working in the press and just winning the ball back. Yeah, because I think it was a misplaced short pass. It wasn't a misplaced short pass. It was a poorly uh, decided short pass, right? Yeah. Carmona just kind of sneaks up on him on the shoulder, wins the ball. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the last few games I've been a bit let down by the fact that, uh, you know, I think Patrick's been a bit, um, what's the word, has kind of squandered a few good cha- a few good chances, I'll put it that way. But at least, you know, e- even in days where he's not finishing the ball, um, he's still creating a ton of chances, just sort of like his work rate and his ability to stretch defenses like nonstop for like yeah. 75 minutes, right? He's such a terror to play against in that way because he has no off switch. You can kind of see why they call him the Terminator now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a much vastly improved... Uh, so, you know, I think it's good. You can see why he's making the DP money in that sense, right? Because, uh, you know, just j- j- just being able to terrorize defenses by your nonstop, not even nonstop pressing, but nonstop running off the ball as well, right? By timing all these runs and everything, the way he does, like, this is what we mean by the off-ball sp- off stuff, like creating all this space and attack, right? It's really exemplified by Klimala, and his ability to create off of uh, these uh, off-shoulder runs, right? And constantly pressing players out wide, being able to stretch defenses out wide to allow and create space for the attackers to, for the, sorry, the midfielders to push up in the attack and create the space for them to, like, pep fire off these shots. I mean, like, Clark and Caceres have been playing off of the, have been playing off the wide play of our strikers, like, really, really well this season. And, uh, you know, Credit to them. Strikers are doing the dirty work for the midfielders to score. Crazy, right? The times we live in. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think with it, it's it's interesting because like you know, Klimala wants to score his goals, so it's like he's not going to end up passing to Fabio unless he really needs to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, he sniffs, if he if he sniffs the chance, he'll try to take it. But like like we've seen from his assists to Fabio, like 
those are you have one opportunity like there's like there's clearly one choice to make in this situation and he'll pull that off but uh if he has time to think if he has time to get the shot off he'll 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 prefer to take that yeah and you know i think that's what a striker should be doing right i think that's the kind of mentality that you kind of do want to see from the guy who's supposed to be like your marquee goal scorer Mm -hmm. right they want to rip shots at every opportunity no matter where you are and like uh, the box or the field you know i think it's that mentality that's good right it's just that the end product hasn't necessarily well i mean like the end product hasn't been bad the assists are good but of course uh, you, you want to start seeing some production in the goal category right and i think it's going to yeah. come just simply because he gets himself in an array of really good positions right and i think uh once he gets over i think some of the yips the finishing yips like you can tell that that's gonna be the type of thing that could that carries over into scoring like a lot of goals, right? Yeah, it's just a matter of getting over the finishing yips. Like him and yeah, Fabio. Oh, sorry. No, no, keep going. I was just gonna say that him and Fabio have already like looked at. He's such a menacing strike pair, you know. Definitely, and it's like a question of. Um like how this team wants wants to go forward because like we we desperate like we can talk about this when we talk about Miami but like we desperately like really need a game where we break like three goals like we really need yeah. a game where we score four goals in a game because it just feels like we're in this weird spot we are where we're like we're creating lots of chances but not scoring them but at the same time when we don't create lots of of chances we're still not scoring and like the thing is when you're not score when you're not creating that many chances you need to have strikers who are definitive in that role who can just like put the ball in the back of the net like anytime the ball is near them uh because then the 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 inverse is that is that you're not scoring goals and so how you how do you fix that is that just by constantly generating chances just by like the nature of like probability eventually you'll you'll start scoring more goals yeah but we just haven't done that yet yeah, yeah, it's the question of like uh, clinical, cl- clinical finishing versus like shot volume creation, right? I think it's exactly. that classic yeah. NBA, <laughs> the NBA shooter argument that everybody loves to go to, like shooting efficiency versus volume shooters, right? And both are I just yeah, trying to avoid saying the words XG on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I did it by diverting to to basketball. And yeah. when I, as a wee lad, when I was trawling Grantland for the latest Kirk Goldsberry <laughs> article showing breaking down volume shooters versus efficiency shooters, I mean, it's a bit like that, right? I mean, with the way that our strikers have kind of operated, I think, in recent years, like BWP in 2018 is like, I think, the perfect example for what you're highlighting, right? In the sense that it's a guy who doesn't need that many chances to score because he'll at least put one on the board of whatever little you throw at him that way. Yeah. Meanwhile, BWP in 2014 was kind of like the in, the opposite, but also... <laughs> but uh, but it is true, like, uh, in terms of generating shot volume, I think um, I think we're starting to generate a higher volume nowadays, especially over the last three games, where the chances have been coming at a bit more frequency than they were early in the season. This is that we haven't been good at putting them away, necessarily. Um, and I think, uh, it also builds on this thought that I had, I think, um, with regards to finishing chances, it's, it's weird that we haven't scored more than two goals all season. 
Didn't we and score three against Los Angeles, or is that no, no? They beat no. us three two. They beat oh, us three two. You okay, gotta recall, yeah, yeah so... it was a Chicharito okay. hat trick that sank us. Ah, uh, right, okay. F's in the chat. <laughs> oh lord. Real Red Bull fans will remember this. Andrew Goodman scored his first goal in that game. Remember Andrew yeah. Goodman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so. Um, I, I, I'm with you on that, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just so weird to me that, like, we've had really dominant performances that just necessarily haven't reflected on the score sheet yet. And I think in a way, I, I'm not really sure if that necessarily has, like, a bit of a mental effect on the team, knowing that the like, even in the wins, um, the dominance isn't reflected on the score sheet, right? Um, but, you know, I think uh, any professional... I, I don't think they'll openly confess to it, but I'm sure it must be something that they're feeling that even when they've won, like they, they feel like the scoreline should have reflected your dominance a little bit better. And, you know, it does kind of, uh, th this is the ideal part of the schedule where we can do that. Exactly yeah. that, right? We're going up against like literally the worst team in MLS this weekend. Just a bunch of fucking bin men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Like, to, like in terms of squad assembly, in terms of cohesion, like they're coached by some like guy I don't even know. Like, who, like who, who the fuck manages them? Pretty sure Higuain just treats it like a pier forty like pickup run out each time, right? Where right, I think I think they're managed by Aaron Neville, the famous singer. And I'm like, I, are you sure you want to get you want to have the guy who sings? I don't know much, but I know I love you to manage your <laughs> soccer team. But whatever, Bex, it's it's your team. <laughs> a guy who uh, was a uh... oh wait no he they're coached by former WWE superstar Adrian Neville oh, right the, the, okay. the, the man who gravity forgot and evidently tactics forgot as well um <laughs> look dude I mean like um I'm not gonna see too much into a uh, Miami chat before we do the stock watch which I think we'll probably just do soon anyway because uh i think uh this more or less covers quite a lot that we want to talk about over the last three games but look man i mean um that has been my big lament this season right we haven't had like a laugher where we've been able to just pull up the highlights and just laugh at how bad like an opposition <laughs> team's been <laughs> right like 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 a 7-0 i mean 7-0 away at city was one thing but i'm also missing like uh like like games like where we beat dallas like 4-1 with 10 men for example oh yeah or like uh you know uh a, a, like nyc at home where we beat them 4-0 uh the the 4-0 against portland with with 17 year old ben mines oh yeah oh yeah crazy little factoid right like kaku whose first assist in mls league play went to pen mines right. <laughs> his very yeah. first nutmeg was his first pass too yeah <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things coalesced in that very moment <laughs> sort of like uh sort of like one of those things like how jose molina was like the last person ever hit a home run at the old yankee stadium right it kind of feels the same way <laughs> oh, yeah um yeah so that's the thing you know i think um i think 
I think we are due for performance where we just beat the ever-living daylights out of an opponent, like not just in terms of like the play on the pitch, but also in terms of the scoreline. Right now that we seem to have a whole bunch of uh, players getting healthy again, like I don't see why we can't start this weekend. You know, um, I think one little thing that I want to touch on, I think in my overall sentiment from these three games is that, you know, we're definitely making steps in the right direction. But it is a bit annoying that, you know, uh, uh, we didn't, that basically 10 seconds cost us two points against Philadelphia at home, yeah. right? Kind of a smash and grab that one. Um, especially since, you know, I mean, they were playing with 10 men and we weren't. And we didn't really push that to our advantage by going to A, score a second goal, and B, I think, focusing for the, to close out the game. You know, I think I've seen a lot of sports dad takes uh, on the timeline about how they wanted it more than us. I think that's nonsense. Like, they, we cost ourselves by not keeping up our intensity. And they just got kind. They just kind of got away with it by taking the one chance that they got. Really, yeah. It's yeah, not a yeah, question yeah. of effort with this team. It's a question of just focus. It's a mental thing. It's not a physical effort thing at all. I don't think. Anyway. Yeah, the story. Yeah, the story for these three games collectively for me was just like this is how these are like three different case studies in this team's ability to manage games. And so yeah. we had. You know the nil nil against Atlanta, which you know we didn't know we were we were kind of depleted. You know, we were having these injury problems on the field um, and sort of an inability, I guess, to score these goals. But uh, the second half was like Atlanta could have won that game, but they didn't. There was some good goalkeeping. There were some lucky bounces that kept the ball out of our own net. Um, So, you know, coming out of that game, take take a point away in Atlanta. You'll take that. Orlando, the complete opposite. We were seeing probably one of the best games we've played all season, like just the most like composed professional win. We go up one nil, we give up a goal, which is fine, right? Orlando is a good team. We know we have our laughs. We know we have the shit posters derby. <laughs> Exciting things always happen when we go down there, when they come up here. But um, not only do we come back and reclaim the lead, the last 10 minutes were like just, mwah, just like chef's kiss of our team shit housing three points away on the road just like everyone pitching in winning little fouls figuring out how to eat the clock tom barlow taking the ball and just dribbling it into the corner my god that is <laughs> like like that's it like this is the platonic ideal of like of how this team is ident is like supposed to shit house like it's it's impressive to me that we have guys from like different you know so many different countries and each of them is like versed in that region of the world's style of shit housing. It's amazing. It was a uh, it, it was so good it made that one guy melt down and create a meme. <laughs> like, yeah, I, used, I, to I used to respect the, the high press. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, we need. Yeah, you know, that was the first time this whole season that I felt Red Bull Twitter's back, baby. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> like <laughs> And what a moment for it to happen at the apex of the shit posters derby, right? I mean, like, truly the gift that keeps them giving is a Florida sports dads. <laughs> right. Um, oh, I guess. And, if I, and so uh, going out of Orlando with those three points and coming to Philly, it feels like, for me, it felt like the lessons. I wouldn't say that the lessons of Orlando were not thrown out the window, but I feel like they were misinterpreted because we saw 
the team trying to get a little bit too cute in the second half after we took the lead. Like basically the game was pretty even and then we we get a goal, we're we're a man up and then Philly are not out of the game. Philly were trying to get back into the game and we and the team let them do that. And it just felt like like the team was trying to manage uh the same way you know trying to win these little fouls, trying to waste time and it just like it just, it just got away from them. They couldn't, they couldn't, they were not in control of the situation. Like Philly were, were picking up their second wind, like on the goal, right? Like we saw John Tolkien, you know, he gets injured, he stays down a little bit. And I, to be fair, I think he did actually hurt himself. But like, at that point you roll yourself off. Like, what is it? What is the rule that if a player, if a player rolls off the field or is, does he stay on the field that the referee has to blow? I think he, that he has to roll off, right? Yes. To stay on the field, I think. Because I think like he the play wasn't blown dead because he was off the field at the time. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, yeah, if yeah, you roll the wrong way, and then that goal probably doesn't happen. But it's like, and and not only that, but I think every the the team was like not focused on the situation. They were looking at Tolkien. They were not, you know, they weren't sharp on that play. So I think that's, uh, again, like that goal, that game should have finished the chances when we could have. So it wasn't as close as it was. And then once we get a man up, that's when like that's when you turn the screw. I think that's when you don't let you know angry Philly get back in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think um, I mean yeah, and I and you know I think the fact is is even though Tolkien was like legitimately hurt on the play since he came out like shortly after, you know, um, it's exactly that. You know, I think when you're at home against, I think a supporter shield contending team like Philadelphia and you're up one nil, like the, 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 the most assured way to kill off the game isn't by like, you know, shit housing, <laughs> but yeah, Tolkien said it himself at the end of the game. He's like, yeah, we got to play 90 minutes. It wasn't great. Blah, blah, blah. And like, you saw the team, um, you know, after the final whistle, you saw Struber like have the team in a huddle. And it's like, it's like, he did look kind of mad. Like he, he, he looked mad that like the team threw that away and it was, yeah. uh, like, like I kind of, you know, the team is still a bit of a work in progress. It's not all the way there, but it's like, that should have been, that should have been three points at home. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, uh, it's completely justified. Right. I mean, I think I recall, uh, in the middle of the, and, and it is shades of something that you'd recall from the 2018 season, right? I mean, after we, I think, lost to Chicago 2-1, right? I think at home in April. And Jesse also had a, you know, he had a on on the field huddle, not like a Phil Brown kind of huddle, but like a, in the all access. Um, <laughs> in the team talk, he was like, you know, guys, if results like this happen, then you have to ask yourselves, are we really as good as we think we are? And I was like, you know what? That's completely justified because we shouldn't be chopping points like that at all. Yeah. You know, and that was for, I mean, that was for a loss against like a horrendous Chicago team. I mean, like fucking losing to Alexander Katai, man. God damn it. Oh. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> in before he did a racism. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out, it turns out that designated player was a white supremacist the whole time. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> We've sent a white supremacist to play for the LA Galaxy as a designated player. Find oh, out no. what happened. How do, how, like, how could we have known this Serbian player who played in Spain was racist? <laughs> 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 uh, the 
de- the, the signs weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> there was absolutely no way of telling that this could have <laughs> no happened. No way of telling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's move away from Serbia. Let's just go into stocks, something I'm sure that we find more palatable. Maybe not. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> Stock ups for me, I think just to recap the sentiment that I feel over this segment, I mean, I'm going to give one to Coronel because, I mean, I always stand a goalkeeper. I'm biased. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck. You can uh, send um, complaints to my legal representatives at jimmy.bofa at thebankofamerica.com. <laughs> I don't work for Bank of America, by the way. It's just just, just some guy's email that I'm reading right now. Um let me see. Uh, John Tolkien, I think, obviously gets a stock up as well. Uh, final stock up. Hmm, it's a tricky one. I mean, like, there's a lot of people that you can point to, I think. I'm going to give it to Sean Davis, I think. I I, I don't think... Um, I don't think um, there's been a player who's looked more revitalized by being given a definitive role by Gerhard Schubert and Sean Davis. And I really think uh, as the midfield was in a bit of flux over these last few games, right? With Caceres being away with Venezuela and Clark being injured, you know, he held the whole thing together and it was very, very good to see. So, you know, definitely. Um, stock downs, uh, I think with uh, Carmona's emergence, uh, Frankie Amaya, unfortunately, gets a bit of a knock here. But apparently he's been playing with ankle injuries over the last few games. So, um, you know, I think that's why he's been coming off the bench. Um, And it's not so much I'm giving him a stock down because I think he's a bad player. It's just that I think there are other options that could potentially show more in the role the tip of the diamond's supposed to play uh, than he has so far. But don't get me wrong. I mean, Frankie Maya is a bulldog and a very good, tenacious player to have, right? Coming off the bench for late yeah. game energy or even as a starter, right? I mean, it just depends on what you want out of uh, your, out of the tip of the diamond again, I suppose. And anyway, I think Carmona, you know, as good as he is a uh, bit overmatched, I think against Philadelphia, especially in the early going, but kind of settled into the game as it went along. So don't, uh, it's not really a runaway hype train just yet. I'd really say cool your shits <laughs> for the time being. Um, stock down. I don't know. You know, I think, uh, I guess in light of Tolkien's emergence, I am going to give a stock down to Andrew Goodman because, uh, you know, I mean, the injury problems are one thing. I really do hope he comes back soon. But, you know, I think it's just more the fact that John Tolkien's emergence has kind of made me wonder if it's really necessary to keep him around after next year. Unless it's like, say, you know, it's like as a depth option at left back. I don't even really think you should be spending that kind of money on that guy if he's going to be a depth option anyway. Uh, and I don't know if Jason Pendant sticks around, but, you know, I think that's probably what you're looking at when you're talking about, like, depth fullbacks, right? So, whatever. Kind of a whatever for me. Uh, Andrew Goodman gets a stock down. Stock down. Um, who am I going to give the last one to? I know it's kind of it's kind of tricky considering that I've missed the last few games. I guess Patrick, I hate to do this. Finishing yips. It's basically what it all boils down to. I'm pretty sure he's going to come around, though, because I think he's been really, really good in spite of that. 
very productive player and spread the fact that he's not scoring goals because I think of his ability to bring other players into play. So I have confidence that he turns it around sooner rather than later. Yeah. All right. My stock. So stock up. First on my head, I think I give Wickleman Carmona stock up. I think just a good showing these past few games. Uh, we were kind of worried about what uh, what the team was going to do with Caden Clark out uh, with with his appendicitis. And uh, Carmona comes in, and I think he slots right in. He gives us interesting options. We have Now we have the choices between him. We have Clark. We have Amaya in those roles, um, provided that Caden Clark doesn't need gallbladder surgery later this year or whatever with some whatever organ needs to be removed from his body um good showing from him um stock up to john tolkien for the same reason we uh you give a stock up stock down rather to andrew gutman and i think you said earlier that like it wouldn't be a big deal if atlanta take him back i think these are these are weird things like contingent on uh if george bellow goes somewhere um, which just by the look of like all these transfers of like Americans to uh, American owned uh, tax havens, I mean, football clubs in Europe, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, you could see him go some to some stupid team that uh, he might go to uh, George Bellow. He might go to like Mallorca, that team that's like uh, that's partly owned by uh, by Stuart Holden or whatever. Uh, he might go there <laughs> and then Goodman goes back to and then I think and I think um in terms of our left back depth, like I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure if Pendant will be here next year. Yeah. So it's thinking about like where we go into the market for these replacements in these positions. Um, so good, good on Tolkien uh, stock up. You already gave one to Cornell. I'm going to give my last stock up or no, a stock up to Fabio's first touch specifically. I think Fabio is such a cool player. He is yeah. so silky with the ball. His first touch is he reminds me of Bradley Wright Phillips in that you don't quite you don't expect them to be so silky on the ball when when you look at them, but he gets that ball right. He gets like the right spin on that first touch. Like on um on CCJ's goal against Orlando, he does like the nice little like neat little uh drag back to turn into the ball to make that turn. Great move. Yeah. Um he strikes me at he think like I think of him I like we I know he played in Japan right but obviously he played in the J two but like if he if he stuck around and or like made his way into a J one team he's like he reminds me of like the kind of Brazilian strikers that just eat the J one alive you know what I mean yeah kind of specifically I guess you can relate to this he reminds me a bit of like Leandro Damial just being like a tall striker but like can play the ball on the ground and it's like really neat on the touches can link up a little bit. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking something like uh, like an Eric as well at Yokohama, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's another yeah. shout. Uh, final stock up to uh, the trio of uh, amoxicillin, acetaminophen, and ibuprofen. Uh, after my wisdom <laughs> teeth removal, those three came in clutch. Just came in strong every day, every morning, noon and night. Uh, shout out to them. I did not uh, realize that we were sponsored by Big Pharma now, unfortunately. Oh, I, I may well, have I didn't, to cancel I did, this podcast. Sorry. I didn't name the specific brands. I just said the, <laughs> the, the generic, generic medications. Um, See, like we are contributing to the opioid pandemic. Now, hold on a minute. I did not say these are <laughs> over the counter. <laughs> 
you know, we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, but why won't anyone talk about the opioid pandemic? <laughs> there is a war, a war on drugs that we need to win. Sorry. Uh, anyway. Uh, All right. Anyway. Uh, uh, sorry. Stocks down, I guess. Uh, I think you covered it, but I guess final stock down, I guess. Uh, climate change. That's two games of RBA in a row <laughs> that were delayed. That were delayed to rain. That's both the Gotham FC game that got delayed for a whole three hours. And I think the New York Red Bulls game against Philly that got delayed, like, I think an extra hour because it got rained out. Uh, I don't think it's going to rain tomorrow. Knock on wood. But, uh, man, if it happens a third time, uh, you know. I'm going to blame the CIA if it happens, to be honest. Oh, yeah, this is a a CIA plot, especially (laughs) since we're playing Miami. Exactly. Well, more than that in a bit. (laughs) That's all my stocks. Down. I see. All right. So uh, we hate the world. Oh, actually, you know what? Like. You know, final stock down to Conmebol. Uh, <laughs> no, not Conmebol. To Con- actually, Conmebol too. I don't really care, but Concacaf specifically, uh, just for letting uh, Qatar play in, in in the Gold Cup. You're telling me the Jamaican Republic can't play in the Gold Cup, but you're letting Qatar do it? Bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm very confused by that whole situation, to be honest. I, like, I wasn't even aware that they had guest teams in the Gold Cup now because, I mean, I, 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 I never really saw it as like a guest team kind of tournament. But They used uh, to have guest teams up until, uh, I think, 2005. Well, that's like even, doing it. even then, that's such a weird period for like guest teams, though, because like that that's a particularly like still a red, rudimentary CONCACAF, right? It's not CONCACAF in its current form. Where you, yeah. at least you have like two or three like decent teams. I think like it's the middle of the Mexican golden generation and a plucky US squad led by the pioneers that went over to Europe like Brian McBride and the pioneer Americans that didn't go over to Europe like a certain Landon Donovan, um, I should say. But yeah, you know, I mean, at that point, uh, yeah, I don't know. It feels, it feels like you'd have even less incentive to be a guest team at the Gold Cup in the mid-2000s than you do like now where at least you'll face a higher level of competition. But yeah, anyway, I don't know. Like, uh, and for the record, like the guest teams in 2005 were South Africa and Colombia. So it's like... Yeah, that's know. even weirder for me. Because <laughs> like... Is, to make the... Yeah. Because like, like South Africa weren't decent. Like, weren't like as bad as they are now. Like back then, Do you think right? Bradley Carnell played in that Gold Cup? Oh no, he probably would have been too old by then, I feel. By two thousand, I could be wrong though. I could be he wrong. He was though. playing for the. He did play. He made for the, the two thousand two squad. I know that. And then he uh, did wear that jersey around two thousand nine. He didn't make the teams back then, but he did not. Uh, age see. out, yeah. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure like uh, the South Africa squads at those times were like the Benny McCarthy and uh, Aaron Mokoena, like uh, South Africa sides, right? I'm pretty sure. He was not in that team. I just checked. Yeah, I figured. I figured. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we did another international soccer tangent. I apologize. Our <laughs> it was for a good cause. It was, it was for, for a good better cause. cause than last time. Yes. It was to uh, defend the credentials of our assistant manager. Yes, we did. We were remembering dudes. <laughs> Which is really what I want this podcast to pivot more towards, to be honest. <laughs> to be, but anyway, uh Let's see. Uh, let's remember more dudes. Remember Fidel Castro because uh, we're playing Inter Miami <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> oh man! 
Dude, I mean, like, I've already hinted at this on this episode, but for various reasons, I want to beat them so hard that Jorge Mas becomes Jorge Menos, you know, like, truly, oh, truly, shit. truly. Yeah, <laughs> I, want, I, want to, I want to stomp Miami into dust. I feel like Miami sports fans do not deserve nice things. This is from my personal experience, yeah, having grown up not. there. They don't, they don't deserve nice things. They deserve uh, only bad things. I want Jorge and Jose Mas to call us agents of communism after we beat them 5-0 <laughs> at Red Bull Arena. I want them to like call up whoever their sources are at the, at the Miami Herald to say that, uh, that, th- that Putin was trying to overturn their fortunes at this game or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Just I want... Uh, Can you- I'm tired. Fold, fold Miami already. I, I I've said this before, but uh, like the like the Ben Mindstan joke is that Barca that Miami are the Barcelona of MLS, just minus the uh, minus the money laundering, or but only the money laundering, but only the part. money laundering part. Yeah, that's basically what they are, right? Like, wouldn't it be funny if uh, we post so hard after binning them like six nil or something that like half of RBNY Twitter gets a gets assassinated by the cia in the aftermath (laughs) that's how bad i want this to be you know like (laughs) i want to be i want to i want to receive anthrax in the mail from the cia with how badly we defeat inter miami i want to i want to post i I want to post a a picture online that says this was my grandfather he lived under castro's cube but this is how he looked before communism started and i just post a black and white photo of of fat iguayin right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i literally pu- i i pulled up an article about inner miami today and it was a photo of Iguain, and i have not noticed I, I i didn't realize until now on how big he's gotten oh my god yeah he's he's become a real chunky monkey huh i mean like he's, holy shit he's i've i've heard it's apparently it's like um it's super strange like Iguain. Gonzalo Higuain is like the exact opposite trajectory as his brother, right? This is a guy who was an elite strike, like a proven elite striker in Europe, one of the best goal scorers in Europe, players in general over, you know, at Real Madrid and at Napoli, uh, two, you know, two top class leagues. And then he comes to MLS just sticking up the place, whereas his brother, the complete opposite, having a pretty mediocre career outside of, of, of MLS, comes to MLS, reinvents himself, uh, becomes an elite player in this league uh yeah it's yeah. like um one of the things one of the things i've 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 one of the observations i've heard about Iguain is that like every pass to him he's never he has never played the ball is never played in front of him every pass to him needs to go to his feet because he's not running <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the, the the mindset is so telling, right, basically, when he basically says that I expected to come to MLS, that I'd be able to have a cigarette and have a runaround, right? I mean, yeah, like, playing yeah, a cigarette exactly. with one hand. He basically came here for vacation, which basically sounds like, like, he's just having, like, a Cuban sandwich, like, after training almost every day, you know, like, something like that. I don't oh, know. Man. He's just been going, he's literally been going ham. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he drinks yerba mate or is he like just full on like Cuban coffee or would that like give him a heart attack at this point? Why not? Why not both? You know, it could very well be both like, man, (laughs) like Cuban coffee before 10 and then yerba mate for every other hydration break after. Like, oh my God. And then he goes up to the, like his pee is just like orange or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then he claims, oh, no, 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 it's just the nightclub lighting. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I should we should do like like actual like tactical analysis of this team, right? I think. Yeah. Or should okay, we just keep so... doing Iguain's? I don't know. So I read I read uh, Ross Haley's uh, column in in Once a Metro, kind of like kind of about this team, and it's it's pretty shocking, like how how uh, just like how negative he is on this team, which is like words just incredibly damning uh, uh, s- statements about Miami. Like just the words of like I was just saying like the team is not cohesive, but literally the word is like lazy undisciplined it's like the team is not particularly cohesive uh the i mean the midfielders the, the midfielders don't necessarily help their defense like they play it out of the back right uh yeah. which should which should be red meat for this new york red bulls team but apparently like the the midfields the midfielders don't track they don't make it easier for their defenders to play out of the back they don't show for passes the defending is also just as lazy uh, you have to play the ball into Gonzalo Higuain's feet because who who else is going to take shots on goal? It's like, oh, come on. I mean, like, is he really wrong, though? I mean, like, 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 I- I'm looking at the roster right now. You want to go over some remembering dudes? All right, let's go. The, <laughs> mid, the, the backline linchpin is Leandro Gonzalez Perez. Blaise Matuidi is there, as you know. Higuain, everybody knows about. But they also signed Rodolfo Pizarro. Breck Shea is there. Ryan Shawcross is there. Uh, uh, we know that Pipa Higuain joined his uh, less talented brother in Miami, so he's there as well. Kevin Leardam is there, as is Jovan cool. Jones. Yeah. And they signed uh, Indiana Vasilev on loan from Aston Villa. Yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't played yet. Kieran Gibbs just signed... Like, look, I mean, like, I, I share Ross Haley's sentiments. I'll be I'll be very frank when I say that. Like, this team sucks. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> if we cannot beat this team, I will be fucking furious, you know, and like not even like if it's a one nil squeaker, I'd be furious. Two nil squeaker, yeah, just, I'd be furious. Uh, we've seen this team's ability to like break down teams in their own way, like just like teams kind of like get demoralized by the 70th minute but like ross haley was also saying that this miami team also leads the league in yellow cards and it's just like being real bastards on the field but like not in like the fun shit house way just like being just 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 being regular dickheads just outright mean right like right, just mean guys not about the vibes just bad vibes all around just just malignant malicious entities you know like I mean, like, very much a submission of their club being a cancer in this league. But, you know, like, uh, and playing, Jorge... playing, playing to the tactics of one Philip Neville. Yeah. Just, oh, God. It's uh, Philip Neville, who, uh, what is it, went on to coach the three lionesses despite calling, <laughs> calling women's soccer a laugh. Like, uh, sure. Great. Wonderful. The less talented and less smart Neville brother, I will say. I mean, like, <laughs> look, it's it's really just proof that all the good genes went to Gary, right? So, <laughs> like, um, anyway, like, look, like, anyway, looking back, I I, I agree with Ross Haley. Look, they suck. <laughs> they suck. That's that's my preview for the game. They suck. <laughs> Lads, it's Miami. I, I appreciate the fact that you tried to do tactics one, but really I wanted to say for that segment is that they suck and we should beat them. <laughs> this team sucks ass. Yeah, like, 
like I'm running out of ways to just to, to just describe the situation. Like the morale's in the shitter. The players don't Literally. seem like they really enjoy like being here that much. They're coached by Phil Neville, who I <laughs> I, I I don't think has a, who probably gets his coaching manuals from like a, from a soccer from dummies by that <laughs> by Michael Lewis. Like I'm fairly certain that you know this is the first like truly awful team we've met since Chicago and even then Chicago I don't think are quite as bad as this you know right. in terms of current form or talent levels right like look <laughs> what more do you want me to say like my minimum expectation is that we win 3-0 <laughs> if I'm being very frank we should be beating a team like this 3-0 if we have any indications of being good right like, if we lose this game, if we draw this game, if we even win this game 1-0, I would be furious. I would not accept that at all. At all. This is a bad team. Put the bad teams in the bin. Bury them. Kill them. I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that it's a it's a slaughter at Red Bull Arena. You know? I just Yeah, I just want... If any Miami fans make the trip, I just want... I just want to ruin their night. I want them to, like... To, to rip off their Miami inter Miami jerseys and show the LeBron James Laker jerseys that they've been wearing underneath <laughs> the entire time. Um, I, I was about to make the exact same joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know yeah. what they're all about. You, we, we know what it's all about down there at South beach and it's not talent. That's for sure. Um, they're not the Miami, my FC. This is not an elite club like that team. Like more, Red Bull Five, that is Miami FC. More of a Fort Lauderdale Strikers my, guy myself, mm-hmm. which, which which is basically where they're playing anyway. So you know, uh, <laughs> can you imagine? Like we waited so long for Miami MLS to happen, and like it's gone tits up within like two years. Like holy shit! Not even with the expansion rub could they be good. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, the pure manufacturing consent that Miami was good, like, last year. It's insane, dude. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to have a look at their recent run real fast, just to, like, underscore underscore this, right? So, um, look, I mean, like, they haven't won a game in, like, since beating Cincinnati in May, okay? And, like, Cincinnati are also basement dwellers. And they still conceded two goals to Cincinnati. If they concede two goals to Cincinnati, I don't see why like we can't put we can't put we we can't put three past them. Quite frankly, uh, so yeah. Needless to say, um, to cut a long story short. Uh, I'm sorry that this has basically just been me saying that they suck like over and over again. Um, I expect three goals. I expect three goals. Basically, yeah. all I'm going to say, like you're, you're you're literally neck and neck with the basement dwelling Chris Armis inhibited Toronto after eleven games. I expect three goals. Simple as. That's that's the end of the story. Couldn't Hello? agree more. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you trying, got nothing else. To, to, uh, try, yeah, trying to think of like. What's the opposite of a superlative? Just to think of Miami, just like ah, I don't know. What's 
I don't, I don't know what the I don't know what the antonym of superlative is. Let me let, let me try and look that up. Uh, apparently, <laughs> poor, unexceptional, mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. There are an exa- there's not yeah. Th- there's no style, category but, uh, of words like superlative is you know for for like the opposite sentiment. Right. Well, you know, you come to Metrofan TV to uh, learn to hear our takes about the New York Red Bulls, but you leave uh, improving your diction. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, today today today's uh, today's podcast is brought to you by the letter F for fuck you or a months. <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh my god. And Jose. I feel like we need to put both the brothers together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Moss brothers. The Moss brothers. Not I mean, Moss. M-O-S-S. M-A-S. Well, 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 I mean both. Well. Can we call them the Hamas brothers so Israel can hit their headquarters? Whoa. <laughs> oh. Hit Moss Tech. Whatever company... It is that they run. I have no idea what what it actually does. Yeah, I have no idea. I I, I don't want to know either. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm sick and tired of talking about this goddamn team. Just hope we fucking kill them, honestly. Get them out of my sight. Yeah. Uh. Okay. We're on at the episode today with the single question that we have in the mailbag from Eric Friedlander. When can I come back on the show? Buddy, just name a time and place, and we'll put you on if you want, if you're so inclined. Uh, just, just know that um, the content is probably not going to be um, particularly to your liking, especially the last thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I basically spent like the last twenty minutes, like, just shitting on like the entire under your entity and you know like I, I was initially quite apathetic about their visit to red bull arena but i thought like oh this is just a bad team we got to beat them but like you know the recent context of like what they're trying to push like just makes it even worse for me you know like i can't forgive that i can't forgive that <laughs> i want i want i want to beat them like if, i want to beat them up even more now and i hope we do it or do you have i already have the memes like uh, in the chamber ready to fire so yeah hopefully you'll get to see them Hopefully you'll get to see them. Hopefully you get to see them. Um, closing out the episode today, we'd obviously want to uh, we we uh, want to pay tribute to Bismarcky once more. R.I.P. Biz. Uh, what's your favorite Bismarcky moment, Juan? Uh, there I watched a clip of he he was a. Uh on that there was a kid's show called yo gabba gabba and so he would frequently do oh, a segment yeah. on yo this gabba is beat gabba. of the day yeah right the beat of the day hey guys teaching hey kids, kids how to beatbox this is this is beat of the day <laughs> it was sick bro yo gabba gabba high key is like ideal children's entertainment okay like it's crazy it's zany it's colorful it's imaginative and it's wholesome so like just eating a box of like your favorite breakfast cereal that's what exactly. i like. that's what children's television should be anyway um <laughs> i think that this about does it here on metro fan tv obviously i think we're kind of coming up in the uh 
kind of coming up on the um, bottom of the barrel in terms of takes that we have prepared for this episode. I think I think I think this is good. I think we were were like just over like an hour and ten. We covered three games. We previewed the next game. We did our stocks. I think uh, this is good. We we praised Sean Davis again. Yes, <laughs> like every episode. We I think we got everything we could do. Everything we fired out in under seventy in seventy minutes. It's a discount. We package. apologized for talking about international soccer, and then we talked about international soccer again, and then we apologized for talking about international soccer again. So <laughs> we're really uh, this is a very efficient podcast. Yeah, I mean, nature's healing, guys. Nature is healing. We 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 are back to where we were. It's not a coincidence because there is no such thing as a coincidence. Uh, before I before I go, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that the CIA did it. Um, MetroFan TV. Uh, Juan, any last words? Uh, good luck, Lens. All right. Well, I'll see you on the other side, folks. MetroFan TV saying that we'll be recording from Wuhan, China next week as I seek asylum. <laughs> MetroFan TV saying peace. We'll see you after the game. Bye. Bye bye.